Kevin Mondro here, Coach Dro, D-R-O. Welcome back to the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast, the podcast where we advocate coaches and help young coaches learn from the coaches telling these stories. Before we get started, did anyone watch the Georgia versus Clemson football game over Labor Day weekend? How about Coach Kirby Smart? What he said to the media after the game, you are either elite or not. Big time mindset right there to get us going. Coaches young and old love Coach Spike Albright. If you have not yet, check out episode 28. I love at the age of 29, Spike is starting his coaching career. And talk about a guy who's been in the spotlight. 17 points, national title game, first half, played for Coach John Beeline and Coach Matt Painter. However, today, I guarantee that Spike is in the Purdue basketball office learning from Coach Painter and his incredible staff, grinding away, doing whatever is needed for Coach Paint and his program. I love the patience that Spike demonstrated. Your time will come, my friend. Thanks for sharing your story, Spike Albright. Today, we are talking to John Borovich. John is currently an assistant coach for Chris Collins at Northwestern University. As you soon will hear, this Big Ten assistant has been prepared so well to make an impact for Coach Collins' program. From playing for Coach Jay Smith at Central Michigan to coaching stops at Michigan State, Dayton, Oakland, Dayton again, Northern Illinois, and now Northwestern, John has been preparing for his current role. I can't wait for everyone to hear John. Oh, by the way, if you are a parent, wait for the parenting tip that Coach Borovitz shares from McCronin, Final Four Elite Level Parenting Tip. John, you are, as Coach Smart says, elite. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you are currently listening. Remember, we are everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Please keep telling your coaching friends about this podcast. The bigger audience we can create, the bigger impact we can make with younger coaches. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter, at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Enough of Coach Dro. Let's get to Coach John Borovich and tell his story. Real quick, before Coach John Borovich's story, I need to tell you about my affiliate partner that I have been supporting since episode one, that friend, Desmond Ferguson, the owner of Moneyball Sportswear. Check out moneyballsportswear.com. Let me tell you about the gear that Moneyball produces. Men's, women's, boys and girls, sports attire, hoodie, sweatshirts, t-shirts, shorts, you name it. Moneyball has it. Get all your fall gear ASAP. Truly, what are you waiting for? If you are a high school and or AAU coach and you need a new set of uniforms, please reach out to Moneyball. The uniforms that Desmond and his team create are simply spectacular. Go to moneyballsportswear.com, shop away, enter the promo code DRO, D-R-O in the coupon checkout. Grow with us. Moneyball, the only way to ball. John, why do you coach? Dro, man, I uh, appreciate you having me on. And, and for me, it's, it's always been about the players, man. Um, you know, I started off in this game as a, as a young coach many years ago. And, and in large part, that was because of the coaches that, that coached me. You know, and, and so those guys gave me so much, helped kind of shape who I am today. And, and just so grateful, appreciative and, and in some way, if I, I can give back to the guys that, that I work with and, and I coach every single day, uh, if I'm making them 1% better, it, it's, it's all worth it for me. So, you know, for me, it's, it's all about the players. All right. So funny story. I actually met Coach Borovich at the Duke basketball camp. I still think you were a player, correct? No, I was. Yeah, Drew, that's a great, great call. Great memory. Yeah, I was in between my junior and senior year at, at CMU. Yeah, and you uh, came out. Yep, we worked the Duke camp together. Kevin Kuwick, too, Davidson assistant. I think we're all together. When did you really know that you wanted to be a coach? 
Yeah, Joe, I, you know, thanks for bringing back those memories. You know, those were special times we, we shared together um, yeah, at that Duke camp. And, yeah, that was kind of a little bit of my first taste trying to figure that out. And, uh, yeah, for me, it, it goes all the way back to kind of high school. You know, I, I think most of us as, as young players all aspired to, to be NBA players. But, you know, it was a little bit more realistic for me once I realized that, okay, you know, playing basketball after college was probably not going to be the for the rest of my life, right? So what else can I do? And and for me, I always thought, you know, coaching was like the next best thing, right? Like nothing replaces playing, but coaching for me was, was kind of the, the next best thing. So when I was in high school and I was kind of going through the recruiting process, I wasn't very heavily recruited, but I had a few options coming out of high school. And, and uh, when I decided to go to Central Michigan University, in large part, it, it was because of Jay Smith. Like I was just so inspired by him during the recruiting process. Felt like he was a guy that I could go and play for, hopefully have a great career playing for him, but felt like he was somebody that I could learn from. Right. And, and somebody that could really further my love and, and passion for the game, uh, my passion for teaching. And he was one of the ultimate teachers that I've ever been around and was very appreciative and, and thankful for the career that I had and, and ultimately what it led to for me from a coaching standpoint. That's really cool. I, I was on the phone the other day with Coach Smith, you know, obviously at Michigan right now. And I mentioned to him that I still have a VHS tape of him, of his big man drills and his toughness drills. And A, he couldn't believe I still, you know, had VHS tapes. And, <laughs> but it just made me appreciate you guys had great success at Central. Just talk a little bit more about playing under him. Yeah, you know, Coach Smith and anybody that knows him, you know, just he just like literally reeks enthusiasm, you know, like even now, like all these years later when I see him and we cross paths often now that I'm here in the big 10 and, and um, yeah, every time you see him, it's almost as if he's had, you know, three or four cups of coffee, you know, like he's just so energetic, so enthusiastic, you know, loves basketball, loves teaching, loves the game. And that came across in every single day when you played for him, you know, and, and his, his preparation, um, you know, kind of has these uh, heralded, uh, coaching meetings that lasted hours in preparation for practice. And, and all these years later, for all the great coaches I've had a chance to work with over the years and learn from, his practices, the amount of detail-oriented, um, you know, everything that he did leading up to those practices, like you felt it even back then as a player, you know, and, and because of that, it really just helped all of us. So many guys that ended up playing for Jay and or working for Coach Smith ended up becoming coaches at some level. You know, and, and I think that speaks volumes to him and then obviously the coaches that worked for him that were our assistant coaches when we were players. Okay, so you mentioned the Big Ten. John, you're now an assistant coach at Northwestern for Coach Chris Collins. Let's talk about your journey. You've been a Michigan State graduate assistant. At Dayton, you're the director of ops, assistant coach at Oakland, an assistant coach at Dayton. Northern Illinois, you were both the assistant and the associate head coach, and obviously now working for Coach Collins. Let's do a little speed round. What is one thing you learned from each coach that you worked for and how they influenced you as a coach? Let's start with Coach Izzo. Yeah, it's a great one, Drew. Um, you know, it's hard when you're just trying to pinpoint one thing. I've been so fortunate obviously to work for some amazing coaches and uh, just so grateful and, and humbled by all the opportunities that I've had and just really, really fortunate. But with, if you start with Coach Izzo, you know, I was a graduate assistant. Obviously, I was young. I was whatever, 22, 23, right after my playing days at Central Michigan. And, um, you know, obviously the Hall of Fame coach, uh, the things that kind of come to mind for me right away when I think of Coach Izzo are his passion and his preparation. But I think that Above all else, when I think of Coach Izzo and all the success that he's had, you know, the humility, you know, the fact that he has no ego. Mm. He's won a million games 
and he has no ego. And I've always viewed Coach Izzo as the ultimate coach's coach, mm-hmm. you know. And and I know that you know Coach Izzo well, Joe. But like for me, it, it, I almost get emotional talking about him because of everything that he's done for me, both personally and professionally. But just what he's done for this game and, and so many of us as he's inspired us all these years later. So sorry, man. I know you said one thing. But, <laughs> yeah. When it comes to Coach Izzo, it's hard just to stop it at one. But, yeah, for uh, sure. What about Coach Brian Gregory? Yeah, and Coach Greg, I mean, all these guys, you just have so much love and admiration for, but uh, the ultimate worker. I mean, talk about a guy that's a, a true grinder. And I was fortunate when I was a graduate assistant working for Coach Izzo, Brian Gregory was the associate head coach, and he took me under his wing, you know, allowed me to, to get into his uh, his hotel room late at night, watch him study the game and, and do all the, the scouting and preparation. So a guy that's unbelievably organized and really helped kind of teach me the profession, Drew. Mm. You know, I, I think those things, when I think of Coach Gregory, those were the things I really took away from him. Okay, what about Greg Campy? Oh, man, it's a great one. Uh, you know, so think about it. I go from being a graduate assistant with Coach Izzo to being the director of basketball operations with Coach Gregory at Dayton to working for Coach Campy. And um, for me, Drew, that was such a, a rewarding opportunity because I was I was an assistant coach at whatever age I was, 25. Yeah. And what I saw from Coach at that time, it was such an awesome time to be a part of Oakland's program because of the balance that he had in his life. Like He had three boys, right? And his three boys at the time were middle, middle school and high school age. And for me to like see a head coach with you know the Hall of Fame career and the 400 wins, like him still being able to find the time for his family and for his children, like seeing that life and work balance like up close for me was, was super refreshing to see that it was possible. And, and then for him, he's, he's the ultimate offensive mind and scoring. And I was coming from, you know, defense and rebounding, you know, so that that for me was, was super valuable to see that aspect of things. All right. So we battled for a long time, Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan. Obviously, I was at Eastern for Coach Rob Murphy and you were with Coach Mark Montgomery at Northern. What was it like working for Monty? Yeah, Drew, we did have many battles, man. It felt like we played each other 30 times during that uh, that time span. But no, Monty, it was, was such a uh, great experience for me because of the amount of just kind of growth and, and opportunity that, that Coach Monty delegated to me, um, I was always so appreciative of. And, you know, the opportunity to teach, get on the floor, be super hands-on with, you know, any and all aspects, Northern Illinois basketball. And, and Monty, very much like Jay Smith, because Monty was one of the assistants when I played there, energy and effort, you know, those were his two biggest things that he would hit our guys with each and every day. And you can kind of feel it. It was it was palpable with, within our culture and within our program. Okay, so now you're currently with Coach Chris Collins. I love watching you guys, and you guys are right there, man, battling in the Big Ten. What's it like working for Coach Collins? Oh, it's been, it's been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, in, in the two years that I've been here, you know, some of the biggest, you know, kind of you know learning points and takeaways that I've had in, in this short time. Is, is his player relationships drill. You know, it's, it's really cool to see like his ability to, you know, like he's whatever in his mid forties, not to give away his age, but he's, <laughs> he's in his mid forties and he's, he's so well polished and knows the profession so well, but he's still in like the prime of his career when it comes to like his energy level, right. And his passion and his drive and his desire to be successful. So, you know, seeing his ability to, to relate to our guys and his ability to, to communicate and, and relate to recruits and the players and their families is unlike anything I've ever seen. And, and uh, his ability to communicate and keep our staff on the same page at all times. And then he's an offensive guy as well. So like from that standpoint, I've just learned so much from him offensively. Him and Coach Brian James, who's one of our assistant coaches. You know, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways of all these places I've been. Obviously, talk about the head coach, but, you know, super fortunate to work, which is a ton of awesome assistant coaches along the way time for quick 30 second timeout coach john borovich getting this podcast to you 
is all because of my friends at Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so many more. You also get a great-looking podcast website. They provide audio players that you can drop into other websites. They give detailed analytics to see how people are listening. To start your own podcast, follow the link in my show notes. Let Buzzsprout know that I sent you. You'll get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And this also helps support my show. Buzzsprout the easiest way to start a podcast. You know, let's talk about player relationships. You mentioned that coach is great at it. Break it down a little bit more. How do you approach building your own player relationships? Yeah, Joel, you know, for me, that's that's everything. I think that's one of the biggest keys um, for all coaches, but specifically assistant coaches, right, is, is you know, talking to, to those guys and, and more so than talking. is One of the things I, I took from Saudi Washington when I worked with him at, at Oakland, I was always blown away with Saudi's ability to listen. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think sometimes for us as coaches, we do so much talking and, and probably not enough listening to our players. So I, that's one thing that, that I've always tried to get better at. You know, more so when guys come into your office, they, they don't want to necessarily walk in there thinking that they're going to get a lecture as much as, you know, coming into your office to be able to to share some things, to open up, right, to, to share their heart, share their feelings, share where they're at. Um, so I, I think, you know, for me, that's something that I've always tried to pride myself on is, you know, always having an open door policy. Nothing's more important than those guys. I want them to feel that. And that takes time, man. In order, order for that to, to happen, as you well know, like you got to just spend, you know, ornate amounts of time, endless amounts of time for those guys to know that you're always there for them. Uh, you want to help them be the best versions of themselves. And, you know, for me, that's, you know, just it takes time to, to you know, sit and watch and film, going out to lunch, making it more than just about basketball. Um, you know, I think, you know, players really appreciate that. And then, you know, trying to put yourself in their shoes and empathize with them and feeling kind of what's on their heart, what's on their mind and how you can help them ultimately reach their their highest level of success. Yeah, one of the biggest regrets I had is just sometimes I let the job consume me, the scouting, yeah. uh, th- you know, everything encompassing of the jobs and not spending enough time with the players. And, you know, that's such a great skill that you have where you can just, you know, A, put things down and just say, hey, let me let me just, you know, pour myself into you right now. And, and I just, yeah. I struggled with that and I admire that. I mean, just for you to just spend the time with the guys, that's just such a great trait. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, even more important now than maybe ever before, right? Right. Like, you know, we're asking a lot of these guys all the time that they're spending, you know, with basketball. But, you know, I think there's always more to guys than just ball. Right. And, and I think when those guys realize that that it's it's more of a, a, a friendship, it's more of a relationship, it's it's mentorship, but it's us trying to help each other become you know, our best versions. Right. And, and so I, I think, you know, that for those guys to, to feel uncomfortable, to really, you know, be themselves. Right. And, and share what's on their heart. I, I think that's when you can really stretch each other. Right. And, and help each other maximize what we can become. What is the Northwestern culture right now? Phenomenal, Joe. Phenomenal, man. We uh, we have some of the best guys that I've ever been around in my 20 years. Um, you know, just, just humbled, you know, humbled to be in, in this environment and this culture with these guys. And in the two years I've been here, obviously, we, we've taken our lumps, you know, I mean, the, the, the record is what it is, right? But, um, you know, it, it's it's weird when you say it, like, you know, we've gone on some some tough stretches, obviously, the Big Ten's an absolute animal, it's a beast, it's as good as it's ever been <laughs> for sure. the last few years. And it's, it's never good to be young in any league. 
um, especially the Big Ten. And the last two years, it wasn't an ideal time to, to be young in this league. But to our guys' credit, man, they, they stayed the course. You know, they, they kept believing in coach. They kept believing in us. And most importantly, they kept believing in each other. And because of that, you know, I think the, the future is very promising. Um, our locker room is as good of any locker room as I've ever been around. And that says a lot based off of some of the lack of success that we've, we've had on the court. You know, a lot of close losses, a lot of tough losses, but I, I think this kind of sums it up. You know, we went three games to start the Big Ten schedule last year, and we, we got ranked as high as, I think, I don't know, number 19 or something like that in the country. And then we go on an 11-game losing streak, right? And, and we've all been through losing streaks, I and mean, it's never fun. Yeah. But for our guys to rally down the stretch and to win the last three games after losing 11 straight just says everything you need to know about our guys and about the culture and, and uh, their belief in each other. So you mentioned 20 years of experience, and obviously at the top, we talked about some incredible people that you worked for and alongside. So we're getting to this time now where athletic directors are going to, you know, John Borovich is on their radar. Could you describe to me your coaching philosophy in one or two sentences? Yeah, sure, Joe. I, I think... For me, it's um, you know, as I've heard this before from somebody else. I, I think your philosophy, to a certain extent, always needs to be a work in progress. But for me, it's best is the standard. Mm. You, know, you know, best is the standard in, in everything that we do, right? So you know that that covers all aspects. Right? Best is the standard in the classroom. You know, our best is is our standard on the court, and our best is our standard in the community. And, and I think you know that that doesn't mean perfect, right? We're, we're not perfect, but what we are is we're we're striving to be our best. And that's the cool thing about your best, Dro. It really doesn't have a finish line, right? I mean, it's something that you can constantly improve. You know, I, I think being a lifelong learner is is essential for all of us. And um, I, I think you know, hopefully that comes out in the way that I coach, and, and hopefully in my philosophy is is that. You know, best is always going to be our standard. And if we hold each other to that, that gives us a chance to, to really, really do some special things. So you mentioned learning from Saudi, his ability to listen, player relationships. In all your years, and this, this podcast is obviously geared for young coaches, what are some key attributes that assistant coaches you think can bring to a program? Yeah, listening is critical. I, I think you obviously have to be able to listen to your players and your coaches. And, and uh, But I, I do think, you know, you hear this all the time when it comes to characteristics of assistant coaches, but like work ethic, man. I, I think there's, you know, working for coaches or working for Coach Gregory, like seeing how hard those guys grind. And it's a fine line, right? Because I think at times, too, we, we all have a tendency, you know, type A competitive guys to maybe sometimes, you know, burn a little bit too hot or, or drive ourselves over the top. But I, I think you really can't can still outwork people in this profession. Um, I think there's a ton to be said about loyalty, right? And, and like knowing that ultimately it's it's really not about you, right? It's about the players. It's about the, the head coach. And it's about doing what's best for the program. Uh, the one thing that, that Coach Izzo instilled in all of us, and I learned this obviously at a, at a early age when I was a GA form, is he wants everybody within his program thinking like a head coach, right? Like think like you're the head coach, but work like you're an assistant coach. Mm. And that's something that's always kind of stuck with me. And um, and then I, I think at the end of the day, man, as assistants, like the players are the most important thing in the program. Uh, recruiting is, is, you know, right after that. But like if, if you don't know the pulse of the players and like if the players aren't trusting you and you can't trust the players, then I think you're falling short. You know, and I think that's something every day as assistants I try to do. Not that I'm always great at it, but like, you know, when you walk into the office asking yourself, this question, how can I make the head coach's job easier? And how can I make the head coach look better? Right. And I think if we're doing those things as assistant coaches, then we're doing a pretty good job. I need another 30 second timeout, Coach John. I mentioned in the Spike Albright podcast. 
that I'm going to advocate four young coaches this month. Kevin Hickey, Koji Vroom, Zach Verhulst, and Charles Devlin. Let me tell you about Charles. Charles Devlin is a graduate assistant at Eastern Michigan. Why does Charles Devlin want to coach? Quite simply, he wants to make an impact. His current role for Coach Stan Heath is video, cutting, organizing, and managing film for EMU and Coach Heath, as well as teaching all the managers that want to learn film and how to do it. I love that Coach Heath empowers Charles like this. So good, Coach Stan. How about Charles's approach to being on time? No matter what, Charles is always 15 minutes early. Excellent tip for young coaches, Charles. Finally, two things. Charles supports anyone who supports him, his version of loyalty. Dang, Charles, maybe you should host a podcast. Charles also felt it was important to give a shout out to Evan Johnson and Isaiah Zeke Boyaba, two young men that are working alongside him. Talk about being a team player. If you want to connect with Charles Devlin, reach out to him at Charles, capital M, Devlin. Love this young man. Keep being you, Charles. And for sure, keep coaching. How do you think you can get players better? Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I think for them, they, they all want to be the best players they can be. And I think for us as, as coaches, is we owe that to them, right? Like that's what we signed up for. That's what they signed up for. So for me, it's, it's about repetition. You know, it's about confidence, right? And, and so much of what we do, Drew, and you know this, is, is the psycholo- psychological aspect of things, right? And like making those guys feel like they're, they're better than maybe they actually are, right? And, and that, that takes time, man. You know, like time in study, time in film, time talking to each other. But as much as anything, it's time doing it. Right. And so now that's one, one of the biggest things and best things I've learned from Coach Collins. He talks about it all the time. Like when he was a player, when he stepped foot on the floor, he thought he was the best player on the court every single time he stepped on the court. And he's instilled that into our players. He wants us instilling that into our guys. And, and I think that's something that um, is highly undervalued and underappreciated in our profession. But you can get guys to be better than what they actually are just because they think it. Right. And uh, he talked about it. Like, he played with Grand Hill and he's like, man, I used to think I was as good as Grand Hill. And he knows he wasn't as good as Grand Hill, but like he thought like he was. And in large part, that was because Grant Hill made him feel like he was a great player. Right. So, um, you know, so much of that is obviously the coach's job and then the players obviously impacting each other when it comes to that. I love your approach to recruiting. And as much as I went to these events and tried to talk everyone's ears off and people just used to get so sick of me, I loved watching you recruit a kind of like you were always to the side you were everywhere and then b you had great follow-up you guys had some really good players at northern you're obviously involved with some great players at northwestern for younger coaches what is your recruiting mindset yeah the identifying talent uh drove is is i think a relatively lost art i, I think in today's day and age of uh you know social media recruiting list um i, I think we're all susceptible of, to that um, I think sometimes it's a little bit easier, right? And, and I think that's part of human nature. And I, I think we all have to fight against that, right? Like, you know, I talked about earlier the good old-fashioned kind of work ethic and, and blue-collar mentality. Um, you know, there's a, a fine line between the two, right? Like, you know, relationships and recruiting, obviously critical. Um, you know, you go into a gym and you don't want to come across as a guy that's like standoffish or cocky or arrogant and all those things. Like relationships within our profession are, are essential. Uh, but at the end of the day, like we, we have a job to do. Right. And, and so I, I think you really can find things in evaluating um, that's not necessarily list 
related, right? Like you can go there and you can maybe identify a guy that's not highly ranked or not maybe on the, the, the main circuit. Maybe you can find him in a secondary tournament. Um, and that, that takes time, right? You got to you gotta roll up the sleeves. You got to grind. You got to try to find those guys. But you know, at the end of the day, there's only so many you know, top 25 players, there's only, you know, so many programs that can get guys in the top 100, you know, but there are pros out there, future pros, future NBA players. We've all heard the stories of, of all the all-time greats that have come from, from nowhere. And so, yeah, I think ultimately kind of identifying what you need and then building relationships with, with that individual and the people around that individual, which gives you a chance to, you know, to, to get that individual to say that they want to come be a part of your program. What's been the biggest difference between mid-major and high-major BCS recruiting? And obviously, talk about the Big Ten. I mean, every team. <laughs> like, what's that fine line that, you you know, you've been in both, both shoes for younger coaches? Can you break that down? Yeah, I, I think when you're at a, um, the mid-major level, I found myself, you know, maybe casting out like a little bit of a, a, a bigger net. Um, you know, here at Northwestern, you know, it, it's, it's a unique situation because the academic piece, um, right. you know, that's a variable and, a, and an aspect that um, wasn't as much of a factor at some of the other uh, institutions I've been at. So, mm-hmm. you know, from that standpoint, that, that, you know, we just have a little bit of a smaller pool. But yeah, I mean, it is, it is fun, Drew. I'm not going to lie. Like when you, when you call somebody and you say that you're an assistant coach, right, you're making that first phone call that right. we all make you know, to the, to the recruit or to the family or to the coach. And you say that you're an assistant coach from Northwestern, you you know, you figure out pretty quickly, like, okay, they are super excited and Mm -hmm. super interested, right. In a place like Northwestern and everything that it is, or they're not right. And so, you know, for me that, that was a a newfound experience. um, One in which is, is super enjoyable. It's a lot of fun to be a part of, you know, you talk to parents and how excited they get about the opportunity that, that Northwestern could potentially provide their, their child. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, but I, I think ultimately from a, just a pure recruiting standpoint, you know, just maybe not quite as big of a net, um, you know, and then ultimately for us, it's, it's really just trying to identify like who fits coach Collins, who fits our style and our system and how we're trying to play. And then ultimately like, you know, does the culture and everything that Northwestern is uh, above and beyond basketball, really, really what this individual is looking for. So you have a short little break before school starts here. What are you studying or listening to right now to just get your guys off to a great start? How's Coach John Borovich getting better? Well, I'm, I'm listening to Kevin Mondro's podcast. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate but, uh, you, Coach. <laughs> yeah, no, man. I think he's, uh, he's done a phenomenal job, man. It's been, uh, been really, really neat listening to, to the stuff that you put out, Dro. It's, it's really, really good. And, and I appreciate you again uh, having me on. But uh but yeah, I mean, right now, this, this time of year, doing a lot of reading, um, spending a lot of time with, with the other, other colleagues. You know, I, I had a chance to, uh, I know you and I talked about Billy Schmidt earlier. I had a chance to go and spend a, a day with Billy Schmidt, one of the assistant coaches over at the Chicago Bulls the other day. And, and uh, you know, we had a chance to spend, you know, whatever it was, five, six hours together. He was gracious enough to provide, you know, me that, that time. And, and we just talked hoops, man, you know, like ball screen coverages, you know, defensive transition drills, uh, really, really cool. Just talking X's and O's, seeing some of the stuff that uh, Billy Don- Donovan is, is doing with the Chicago Bulls and, and what they're doing with their organization. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, just trying to sharpen the sword, uh, you know, continue to prepare and in, in, in hopes of, of having a successful season here at Northwestern. But, 
yeah, re- reading some good books right now. I try to read as much stuff as I can on, on Nick Saban and Urban Meyer. I, I just those two guys for me are are just phenomenal guys to try to learn from. Um, so yeah, anything and everything, Urban Meyer and, and uh, uh, Urban Meyer and and, uh, and Coach Saban has, has my name all over it. How do you balance being an assistant coach and a father to your amazing children? I uh, appreciate that, Joe, man. Um, yeah, not, nothing more important than that. You know, I, I mentioned that earlier. You know, working for Coach Campy, that really opened up my eyes to that side of things. I, I mentioned Urban Meyer. You know, he's he's a guy that I've always really looked up to in, in that regard. Um, it's a fine line, man, because we all want to win, right? And and you know this as well as anybody. As an assistant coach, sometimes you feel like your job is never done. Um, and so, but we all we all have uh, a greater purpose, right? And and there's no doubt. My my two little boys, uh, Bennett and Will, you know, just like your son JJ, and I, I know how much he means to you. Like it's, um, you know, for me, that's everything. That's what you work for. And I, you know, before I had children, yeah, I, I didn't think I, I could be more driven. And it's amazing how like you know, once you become a father, how it actually like drives you more, you know what I mean? To like be successful, to be a good role model for those two little boys, you know, to do anything and everything you can for them to to turn out to be good people. So um, one thing I I heard, I'd love to share, uh, Mick Cronin, I I heard speak uh, several years ago, and um, he said something I thought was really, really cool. He talked about when he was an assistant coach, and even when he was a head coach, when he would go home, he had like a you know, whatever, a, a random like bush or a tree outside of his, his front, the front step of his house. And he would anytime, right before he walked in, he would always touch that tree or that bush or whatever it was. And that was his way of ultimately like leaving work mm. outside the home, you know? And I thought that was really cool. It's kind of like a metaphoric or symbolic way of saying like, okay, when I'm home, I'm home. Yeah. Right. And I need to be here for, for my for my wife. I need to be here for my children. And so that's his that was his way of doing it. And so that that was something I thought was really, really cool. It made a lot of sense to me. Something I've tried to get better at over the years because you always feel like, OK, there's another phone call I need to make or more film to watch. But, you know, trying to carve out those those three hours when you get home from work before the boys go to bed. And then after that, that's, you know, you, you give your wife a hug and a kiss and, and, you know, you dive into the film or you make your recruiting phone calls or, or whatever it is. That's uh, final four elite parenting there. There, right there for Mick Cronin. You know, a couple things that I love these. Sp- <laughs> I'm gonna do with my son here when we hit some golf balls this weekend. You said repetition, all right, and creating that confidence. So I just find when I'm out with my little guy and we're hitting golf balls, the more he does it, you know, he builds that confidence. And then he obviously talked about in the mindset. I love that. I love that a Big Ten assistant is giving me parenting coaching tips for a six year old. But I, but I also, you know, I would just share, and I've shared this a few times on the podcast. When my wife and I adopted our son JJ, obviously, yes, I. I agree. Everything that I had in terms of like living at the office, it just changed. And I felt really one, almost like I let my wife down that I, you know, I, I spent so much time of those years, you know, driven by the industry and I, and I had really bad balance for a long time. And then second, a lot of jealousy just left my body. Like a guy like you, like, I cannot wait till you guys have a win this year. And, you know, just to text you afterwards and be like, John, so great job. And then, you know, when you do become a head coach, I'm going to be so excited for you. And I just, I don't know. It's really, really hard to explain. But once I had my son, like all jealousy for other coaches kind of left my body. Yeah, really cool. No, man, I, it's, it really does like put things into perspective, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Like things that seem to mean so much, you know, all of a sudden, not, not that they're not important anymore, but that they just pale in comparison to yeah to what this is all about. So no, I 100% agree with it. Okay. I always end the podcast. What are some simple tips or advice for young coaches? Yeah, no, a great one, Joe. Um, 
first of all, this is great that you're doing this for young coaches. Um, I, I think this, you know, gives so many of us an opportunity to, to share with one another. Um, the one thing that I think is, is so valuable for, for young people, and this is something that, that helped me and, and, uh, and I, I think can be vital for other, other guys in the profession is, is one, slow down. You know, I, I think we're all in such a hurry sometimes, um, and you can, you can apply that to many elements and aspects of this profession. But for me, like you don't want to skip steps, you know, and guys want to become head coaches or they want to try to get to the big 10 level or they want to try to get to the NBA level. And I, I think it's really, really important for all of us to, to slow down, take a step back and, and really try to do it the right way, knowing that ultimately your time is going to come. And when it does come, it's not about like getting there as fast as can as much as it is about being prepared when you get there and and so you know for me i you know surround the, the other number two for me Drew, and this is kind of kind of piggybacks off of what i just said is, is surround yourself with the best possible people you can and learn from those people like soak it up be a sponge um i was super lucky early on in this in my career at the beginning of my career to be a part of Coach Izzo's program. And that was without a doubt the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And why I'm so grateful and thankful is because I was around somebody like Coach Izzo that does it the right way, that works unbelievably hard, is all about the right things. And because of that, that gave me a really good chance of having some success within this profession. So I would say slow down and try to surround yourself with the best possible people you can. Now, I think of our Duke camp days often. It's just funny. And I knew when you were 20, 21 years of age that you were going to be a great coach. Your loyalty to your bosses just off the charts. You know, I love your loyalty to your college coach. You know, I too love my college coach, Perry Watson. Your loyalty to your players so good, John. And I, and I love how you're helping Coach Collins. I mean, you're, you're committed to helping Northwestern and having a great season. And I appreciate you telling your story today. And I appreciate you helping so many young coaches. Thanks, Dwight. I really appreciate you having me on, man. And, and uh, this was really a treat for me. So thanks so much. You know, one of the things I'm going to end with is you used to cannot stand when I said this to you. I always used to say, John, like, how much are you on that treadmill? So get back <laughs> and, and used to be like, Dro, I don't even run on the treadmill. So get back on that <laughs> treadmill, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Dro, man. I got uh, nothing but great respect for you and, and uh, the man that you are, uh, the coach that you are and, and the father that you are, man. So I, I appreciate you having me on today and, and uh, look forward to being in touch soon. Yeah. Go cats. And when I get to Evanston, uh, let's uh, go to mustard's last stand and have a, a nice little lunch. All right, buddy. <laughs> my, my treat, Dro. my <laughs> treat. Thanks so much, John. Thanks, Dro. That was a great conversation with coach John Borovich. Here are a few of my notes that I loved. It has always been about the players. Make them 1% better. Help them to be the best version of themselves. On Coach Tom Izzo, John said that Coach Izzo has humility. He has no ego. Wow. Mark Montgomery, energy and effort. How about Saudi Washington's ability to listen? Best is the standard in everything we do. Strive to be the best. The best does not have a finish line. Think like a head coach. Work like an assistant coach. Repetition, confidence, make them feel like they are actually better than they are. Chris Collins thought he was the best player every time he stepped on the court. Mick Cronin, when he comes home, touch that tree or bush. The mindset of leaving work outside of your home. Slow down. 
elite level stuff, Coach John Borovich. Thank you, John, for sharing your story. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening. And we are everywhere. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Stay safe, be you, keep coaching, and see you on the next episode of the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast. Yeah.